Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops Podcast, Thursday, July 15th, 2021. BJ Armstrong, Eric Newman. Milwaukee Bucks have evened the NBA Finals at two apiece. Team USA is in uh, quite an interesting dilemma right now, dealing with uh, the panic of exhibition losses, but more importantly, dealing with the realities of COVID-19. And uh, we've got a few players to talk about who could potentially be on the move this offseason. My teammate, my man, how are we doing today? I'm great, Eric. I'm great. Fear the deer. That's is my mantra true? for is the it, day. That's my mantra for the day. That's is my it mantra. True? Is it true your new autobiography you're working on is called Technical Difficulties, stemming from your... <laughs> Pre-show frustrations. Uh, Eric, don't make fun of me. Don't make BJ fun of me. BJ Armstrong I'm a, I'm starring a little in sensitive. I'm starring a little sensitive. Technical difficulties. I'm technologically uh, challenged, and that's okay. You can't be good at everything. That's what I tell my wife. You can't be good at everything. No. She might no. she might break the mold though. She breaks the mold. But I, I think know. I think you're being a little too harsh on yourself. I yeah, I'm, I'm a little challenged. But that's okay, yeah. though. That's okay. But you're, I, I'm you're, here. It, it means you've got your competitive fire still. Yeah, so. I, it's still, I, I, it's yeah. still, it's still burning. Low, but it's, it's burning. still burning. It's burning. It's burning. Um, so before we dig into the finals, you know, we were talking um, about Bradley Beal and uh, Team USA, and um, we're waiting to hear who's going to replace Beal as he. Uh, is in health and safety protocols. And you said you saw that uh, Jeremy Grant is also now being placed into health. That's and what safety I just, protocols. I just saw that. I, I just ran across that. And Hey, I, I, I mean, so I we got that, know. we got that going on there. Yeah. And then locally here in LA, we're getting alerts that uh, the mask mandate is back for uh, yes. Indoor I, I establishments. Just, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So as great as it is to participate in the Olympics and as much as we know that globally we're not out of the woods yet with COVID and in this country, I think it depends on what your mindset is, obviously, and where you live and what your beliefs are. Um, I mean, what's your, what's your thought about just the importance of the Olympics and weighing it versus COVID. And also the fact that these guys just played um, an NBA season after having the bubble experience after a short layoff, like when is it time to draw the line here and think about um, 
not just the importance of getting the NBA back on track for next season, and I'm not going to play a game here comparing uh, the importance of uh, the NBA versus the importance of representing uh, the United States in the Olympics, but um, I don't know. I feel like there's some choices to be made here. None of them easy, but just, you know, what's your thoughts on these tight timelines, this window, and trying to um, play an Olympic competition? with this COVID stuff still uh, looming, lurking, and and clearly here. Well, before giving my opinion, I, I think the observation is obvious that they are pushing forward and moving on. And last summer, it was postponed. And this summer, they've made a conscientious decision to move forward. Now, I think, you know, the information that that's available, people have choices to make, right? And clearly here in the States and around the world, you know, there are different perspectives on whatever precautions or whatever choice you decide to make for you and your family. Yep. And I think with that, you know, you can see, you know, you know, people are, some people are getting vaccinated. Some people choose not to. Uh, some people are wearing masks out here in California and in LA County. The masks are, is going to be mandatory again in inside. So I think my, my, my view is the following. I think you got to move forward and you have to take the, I think it's important for all of us to be as informed as best we can and make the best decision. Now I've made my decision and for me and my family is to protect us as best we can by wearing masks. We still wear masks. We've never taken our mask off. I know it's, you know, people will say, uh, well, I want to go back to normal and all those things. Well, this is the new normal for us and we've just <laughs> moved forward. <laughs> okay. Um, normal's n normal's gone. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking back. I'm just saying I, I got to do what I got to do. We have to do what we have to do. My kids, you know, I have two kids now that will be in college. I have one that's uh, in grade school and we've moved forward and we have our masks. We're not taking them off. And I don't know when we're going to take them off, if at all. It's just part of our life and it's for us. So, um, but, you know, you have the decision you have to make. I think the Olympics have to move forward. And I think we know the financial ramifications if they aren't able to do it this year, okay? And I'm sure there has been a large sum that has been lost, but at the same time, you want to keep people at you want to keep people safe, and you don't want to put anyone at risk. And it appears to be that that seems to be the case, or at least what I can what I can tell. But it's very unfortunate, and um, I just hope everyone stays safe out there and 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 and, and make choices that not only protect themselves, people around them, and their families and their loved ones. Appreciate those thoughts. Pivoting to the basketball side of this, um, I just I find it so funny that the you know it's such a great thing that the level of play and the talent that's being or that's that's been developed globally which obviously going back to 1992 and the dream team really uh was the big domino back then 
that got so many countries thinking, you know, how do we raise our level? And obviously with uh, that being the first Olympics where NBA players could play and what that meant for the United States. And then we've seen so many terrific international players both play in the NBA, in the World Championships, in the Olympics. I just find it really funny, like everybody overreacting to these exhibition game losses when many, you know, whether it's Australia, whether it's the team from Nigeria, like so many of these guys have been playing together in these uh, international competitions for so long, which, by the way, the rules are different than the NBA. And just all of these over the top panic button reactions about Team USA losing exhibition games. And I know the uh, climate that we've both been living in for a long time when it comes to sports, when it comes to content, when it comes to uh, clickbait, reactions, debates, whatever. But this stuff just makes me chuckle. Like, these are really, really good players on the other team. And the way this stuff is being framed in the American sports media uh, reacting to these losses is is crazy to me. I just wanted to take your temperature on uh, the status of Team USA and the importance of not overreacting to losing what are tune-up exhibition games as this team, featuring many NBA stars, is trying to figure out who they're going to be as a collective unit. Your thoughts, my friend? Well, I want to take my time to answer this because... I'm one of those that's overreacting. I'm overreacting. Okay. okay. And the reason I'm overreacting is because of the following. It is, I'm concerned that the brand of basketball that we're currently playing, which we call the NBA, it clearly is showing me over the last, since really since 1992, we have gone farther and farther away from team-oriented basketball. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Now, when I say team-oriented basketball, what I mean is at one point, you ran plays, and it was a team concept, right? You would run plays, three or four guys would be involved, maybe sometimes five guys would be involved, and it would be a system of play that it would that would incorporate everyone within the team. Suddenly, we've gotten away from that. And now we're playing more individual isolation basketball to the point now where you can see clearly, as clear as day, that how we play in the NBA doesn't translate to international basketball. <laughs> okay. Everyone will say, well, they haven't practiced. Eric, like, I don't know. I've been playing my whole life. Screen roll doesn't change. A basket cut doesn't change. The fundamentals, two-hand pass doesn't change. What does change is if a guy feels he needs a shot and he has to go into his, in his bag, that's what the young people call it, in thy bag. I got to get in my bag. And he starts doing his ISO thing. Okay. What happens when the ISO thing doesn't work? In a situation you're like... Preaching, you're preaching to the choir as far yeah, as... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the, yeah, this, is, sure. this is why I'm overreacting. Because I am convinced 
that a sport like basketball wasn't meant to be played, you know, in, in an, an ISO-like situation. In an ISO-individual individual, like yes, manner. Yes. Now, I'm convinced of that now. Now it's showing me how could you, when you look at the roster as it's currently built, these are some very accomplished NBA players. Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Bam Adebayo. Go on and on down the list. They have the best roster in the world. Mm-hmm. So what is allowing teams like Nigeria, like Australia, I don't care if it's an exhibition game or what have you, no disrespect to anyone. No one can argue that the best roster, 1 through 12 or 1 through 15, whatever the, how many players on the roster, that the Americans have the best roster. What the Americans don't have right now is the best team. And you're seeing the gap close every year since 1992. That's what you're you're seeing. Now, at some point here, we are going to have to come to this realization, which I came to 10, 15 years ago. This brand of basketball does not translate to international basketball. Can you share why? The reason it doesn't translate is because one, it's different rules. The international game is a totally different game than the NBA game. The NBA game is a 48-minute game. The international game is a 40-minute game. The international game is a more physical game than the NBA game. It used to be the other way around. Okay. The way that the game is played, the construction of the lane, the coaching and the preparation for FIBA and European and international basketball is totally different than how we play. It's a different shot clock. It's just a different De- game. Defensive rules? Defensive rules are different. The three-point line is different. Goaltending? Goaltending is different. The way it can take away isolation basketball is different. Okay. Deep, All of these, the deep, so we the keep defense, saying and those, basketball. And those, those defense, just real quick, those defensive rules play into isolation not working well. And the normal, what NBA players are used to, pick and roll, also having more challenges. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, you could sit and clog that lane all day long defensively and not have to get out and worry about three seconds in the key or any of that illegal defense stuff, Correct. Yeah, I mean, it's just a totally different game. It's a totally, totally different game. And I'm, I'm, I, 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 we can keep saying this. These guys haven't played together. Those guys in '92, everyone on that roster had international experience. Jordan played in the Olympics in what 80 84 okay Magic and Larry had Larry played international and exhibitions. exhibitions Patrick Ewing had played yes but they, they also um, spent a lot of time together before competition started okay and different time okay but, he, but a whole lot more and, and a whole lot more collective experience let me say that 
Back to you. I don't care how much time you spend. It doesn't really matter. What matters is, do you understand the environment in which you're playing in? If Great you point. played the NBA game in an international game, you're going to lose 10 times out of 10. That, that, that's, that's, that's how the game is going to work. My point I'm trying to make here is that these players today, Bradley Beal, I don't know if he's ever played international basketball, you know, but he's not playing anymore. Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant, Bam out of Bayou. I don't I, I I can't recall them playing at the highest level or the world championships or wherever. They're all young players. These players that are playing now, the best players in our game, when I say our game, the NBA game, are half of those guys now are foreign players. Giannis, Jokic, MVP, Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year. Luka Doncic, those guys all understand how to play NBA brand of basketball, European brand of basketball. Our guys, I'm not sure they understand that. Basketball is not basketball. College basketball, that's a totally different game. Nowhere else in the world do they play by the NCAA NCAA rules other than the NCAA. Think about that, Eric. Nowhere else in the world. So why do we think because you score 30 points in the NCAA that you're just going to translate? Think about that. That's why we're missing all of the players when we draft these kids because there's no way to make a prediction on that game to this game. Will their game translate? It's like, well, does it translate? You, you, you the international know. game. You could play Euro Cup. That's a different game than Euro League, which is different than Division Two or Division Three. They play a different brand of basketball in Serbia than they do in Germany and they do in France. If you understand what I'm saying here, you will understand that the brand of basketball in international competition is a different brand of basketball because of the way the game is played. And that, I don't care how long you have to, you can be together, you have to understand that if you're going to win these games, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to have to extend the game. That's always been the American's advantage. You're going to have to extend the game for 94 feet. I was listening to the game the other day and they said they put together this team with the idea they were going to outshoot. They were just going to score more points. I was like, wait a minute, time out. Clearly, say what you want to about international basketball. In my 53 years of existence, it's one thing I know most of those guys from Europe can do. They could shoot. Now, they may not can jump as high. They may not run as fast. They may not be the same level of athlete. But them guys were shooting in the 80s when I was a young kid. They were shooting in the 90s. That's one thing I know they can't do. And it's one thing I know we're not going to do better than them. Yep. It's outshoot them. 
Now, what I saw, when I heard that comment, I jumped out of my seat, Eric. I, I, I still got ice on my calf. I jumped out of my seat. I was like, what do you mean you're going to put together a team that can outshoot these guys? Say what you want. Those guys can shoot. I mean, they all can shoot. They've out had. Defend, out defend, sure. Out Say run, what you want. Sure. They, when they, when those bigs came over here, they, they were stretch bigs for a reason. They, yep. they, maybe they couldn't post. Maybe they couldn't run as fast. Maybe they weren't the same level of athlete as David Robinson and those guys. But they can shoot. <laughs> okay? They may not be able to play defense, but they can all shoot. When they said that on television, I was like, what? What are they talking about? What game are they looking at? <laughs> now, as I look at this team, I just think, I don't know if they have any, enough experience. They got the best players. But I don't know if they have the best experience to win and play this brand of basketball. And maybe it can come together for them. Maybe. They have the talent. It's a, this isn't a talent issue. It's just understanding how you need to play in this environment as compared to the NBA. Because if we look at it from the NBA, we keep saying, oh. Like, I hear everyone saying NBA. But no, I'm not looking at Damian Lillard is as accomplished as a player in the NBA as you can have. But Patty Mills and those guys, they understand how to play this game. Yep. You understand? Yep. Patty Mills in the international play. Oh, that whole crew. That whole crew is a problem. And this is where Luka Doncic, he plays a certain way in the NBA, and he's going to play a certain way in international play. Now, how quickly will these guys who haven't experienced this? Kevin Durant understands that. Because I watched Kevin Durant as a young kid playing the World Championships in Turkey. I've watched him play in international play. He certainly knows how to go back and forth. But I'm not sure the other guys do. Or when have they done it? Right. And that's, that's the thing I'm looking to see how quickly they can do that. And I think... Maybe that's what Team USA knows. This is a very inexperienced team by international standards, and that's the lens I'm watching the game from. I'm glad I asked because that was a great uh, explanation and uh, some great points, and uh, I appreciate your uh, detail and, uh, and honesty, my friend. Um, so we will see who replaces Beal. We will see what happens with Jeremy Grant, and we will see if this team – is able to uh, get on track and um, silence those who are spewing negativity and uh, hopefully bring home a gold and do so uh, safely and healthily. So we will find out. Um, Wednesday night, the Milwaukee Bucks tied the NBA Finals at two games apiece. Um, I mean, first of all, we got quite a series on our hand right now. Um, Chris Middleton, 42 points. Giannis, excuse me, Chris Middleton, 40 points. Devin Booker, 42 points. Giannis, 26 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists, and one heck of a block shot down the stretch against DeAndre Ayton in a huge moment. Uh, BJ, let's start with the Bucks overall. This was a tight game. They surged ahead in the fourth. Um, what have the Bucks shown you uh now with the series tied at two after they've won two straight in Milwaukee. 
Well, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, Milwaukee has been down every series except the first round. Oh yeah, I'm not yeah, talking surprise. Is. Just talking right. what you've uh, what you, what you've seen, what you've liked, um, and well, um, you know, well, we've got a best of three. Yeah, so I want to say this about the Bucks, like you know, the I feel like the you know people we 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 count them out, right? They lose. They were down 0-2 in the Brooklyn. They lose by literally what 39, 40 points in game. We two? had we had every reason to believe that this team was down, but somebody forgot to tell the Bucks. They lose the first game of the conference finals. They lose Giannis. They close the Hawks without Giannis. Okay. They go down 0-2 in this series. Giannis miraculously recovers from look like a injury that was going to keep him out maybe for a year. He, he's, the termina- he's the Terminator. He recovers. He plays. I said, you know what? I'm I'm picking minus Giannis. I'm picking the Suns. Giannis plays game one. Looks a little rusty, but he still has you know twenty or so points. Mm-hmm. Effective, but game hesitant. two and th- yeah, game two and three. The guy has forty and ten. Like, like I'm well, like okay, happened. like okay. How did this happen? Okay, what's going on? And he he does a forty. He gives me a forty point performance on the road. After being out and not being able to perform or play or conditioning or anything. Okay. Now they've caught a rhythm, the Bucks. I think they're feeling good about themselves. I think they have established that they can win at home. And the thing I like about Milwaukee last night, because they had no business winning that game last night, by the way, that they won a game in which they knew that the other team outplayed them. Phoenix, for all practical purposes, they were up in that game at least 44 out of the 48 minutes. (laughs) I mean, they were up the entire game. They did everything but win the game. When you don't play well and you win, that's the greatest confidence. Yep. Now, Giannis and company, they have the momentum in their locker room. Big Mo now has gone from Phoenix locker room. Now he's in Milwaukee's locker room. The momentum is right there. I think Giannis is a, you can't give a great player an opportunity to be great. Now they've given Giannis an opportunity to be great. Giannis is very capable of carrying this for the next two games. He's very capable. And if he gets any help supporting from whether it's Middleton or Drew Holiday or Bobby Porters or whatever. Bobby he P. The, he will do the rest. Okay. I, I because the reason I say that in this series is because there's no matchup that the Phoenix Suns ha- has or have on their current current roster that can match up with Giannis. At some point, they're going to have to double team him. Because if they do play well, if they have one of those games where they just play well, like, you know, you know, you know, every team is going to have one of those games, right? You know, Phoenix has had one of those games where they just played well, right? Game one, they just came out. They were just cooking. Game two, they just exploited matchups. Now, Milwaukee has weathered the storm. They did. They played fairly well in game three. 
in a but that was we was we all expected that. Game four, they did not play well and they still won. It's time for them to have one of those games where we can do this. And I don't know how Phoenix is going to respond because of their age. I mean, they're, they're a very young team. This is the first playoff run for Devin Booker, even though he plays like a, a savvy veteran. Oh, first run for Booker, first run first for Aiden, Aiden, first run for Bridges. Bridges. Crowder and CP3 have been there before, but overall, it's yeah. a young, inexperienced team when it comes to the playoffs. So for sure. I, I think now, if you're asking me, I think this series has shifted right in front of us. And I think Giannis's will on the game is beginning to take shape. And, and I said it last night, and I'll say it here. Whoever won game four, I thought, would, would win this series. And Milwaukee won it. So I'm picking Milwaukee to win the series. I, uh, I'm with you. I, um, I think they've officially taken the momentum back. And there's nothing they can do about Giannis. At this point, I mean, you have to double. And I think Milwaukee is more than capable with um, who they've got on the floor and Giannis as a passer to welcome that with open arms, find the open man. And Chris Middleton obviously had a monster game uh, in game four with 40. And um, they're confident, they're feeling good, and they're figuring out how to win playoff games, you know, especially, you know, again, down 0-2 to Brooklyn, lose game one to Atlanta, figure out how to close out Atlanta with Giannis out. And now they've figured out how to even this series. Obviously Phoenix has home court, but I think all the pressure in the world now is on the Suns for game five, Saturday night, uh, back at home. And for Milwaukee, they just got to stay in this rhythm. So, uh, it's going to be a heck of a chess match, my friend. Um, and I, you know, I, I, we both said before this series that we thought it was going uh, six or seven games. Obviously, we're, we we can't go any less than six at this point. So, I think uh, I think we're in for quite a ride over the next week. But uh, I, I'm with I you. Agree. I, I I feel the Bucks officially pulled that momentum back, and you know, unless the Suns are bringing in 1993 Charles Barkley, I don't know what they're doing with Giannis. So. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, even if they brought Charles back, you know, you know yeah. and I love Charles, but by the way, I put that game on, um, earlier this week. I put, uh, inspired by our convo last week, I put Suns bulls 93 game six on. You were in quite a rhythm that game, my friend. Uh, the, hand, the hands were ready. I, the shoulders were square. Yeah, oh, I yeah. I don't, I don't oh, yeah. We've gone through that box score before. But yeah, I, uh, I don't remember anything. You don't even know what you had for lunch. Um, I don't. I don't. I just get through it. So before we get to some potential player movement, just, you know, in the spirit of the NBA Finals, what's a, what's a Finals uh, two-part two question? What's a, f- a random finals moment that comes to mind from your own experience that's far from obvious that we've never talked about before? A finals experience story could be on court, the plane, the locker room, wherever. And then what's a, a, a finals moment that impacted you um, before you got to the NBA that always sticks in your mind as something that was really memorable and inspiring growing up, dreaming of playing on that stage? Um, 
Because when I got to the NBA Finals, the the the, the story that God is it's, it's it sounds a little harsh, but it's it's the truth. When I got to the NBA Finals, I just didn't care. It was like whatever. Like, you talking about the first one or just in yeah, general? Yeah, all, all of them. I, it, it just kind of carried me through my career. Like after I got to the finals, you know, everyone's telling you, oh, this is the NBA finals. Oh, this is here. And I, re- I remember there was a lot of hurry up and waiting. It was just like, <laughs> hurry up and wait. <laughs> yep. Like, okay. Like, like we, lo- we love that in production. Just hurry yeah, up. It, 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 like, for instance, okay, practice all year has been at, like, I don't know, 10 o'clock. Let's just say practice is at 10 o'clock. But now, because it was the NBA in the finals, you know, everyone has to be available for two and a half hours. So practice now was, like, 12 to 2 so that it can be broadcast at the right times for the news and the, the, the sponsors and the partners and Everything going on outside the lines that you could care less about. And I, and I, and, and, and I mean, I've always been this way, right? You know, I, just a little inside joke in our family. Like everyone knows I'm a, I'm a Grinch, right? Everyone knows. Like I, no, like I don't have time. Like I don't, I don't have time. And <laughs> okay. And, and, and believe it or not, I'm much better now. Like when I was younger, I, I really didn't care. So after I got to the were, NBA finals, were, were you were you were you like the ultimate old soul at twenty three? I, I have yeah, I, you know, I, I I really, I mean, I'm much better now. I'm, I I think my wife will even tell you he's he's much improved with my and I have no patience, but I really didn't have any patience then. I was like, oh, they're messing up my routine. Like they want me to be at my best, but I gotta. You got to just my whole life around their schedule to hurry up and just wait. Like, what am I doing here? I I, I couldn't even like, okay, if if, like, I can't practice for three hours. Like, you know, like I want to get off my feet. I want to do my routine. I've been doing this. Suddenly now, this is what got you here. And what I remember most, and I I think, and, and, and it captured kind of my career. And that's why I have it on my, my Twitter page. It's just me reading the newspaper. That's how pissed I was at the NBA finals. <laughs> I was so pissed that I had to be here for like two to three hours to do literally nothing. You're just sitting there. But because it's such a production mm-hmm. that it, you know, like, okay, we're playing against them. They're playing against us. Ask all your questions. But after we're done, can we go? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I get it. We need to hype the game. But just don't have us sitting there for literally three hours. So I, I was like, okay. And then that's when the word came that I was exposed to this word that I still carry today. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story of my life now. That's where your whatever was born. Yeah, that's when it, I was like, oh, it's all nonsense. It's all, you, you know, like, because I, I was excited. I was excited to be there. I was excited, you know, like, God, I was like, 
you know, I'm a Michigan kid. Like, God, my first finals and playing against the Lakers. And like my my family, my family who lived in Detroit and I have family in L.A. So all my family on my dad's side, they lived in L.A. So they were Laker fans and they were rooting for the Lakers. And all of my family <laughs> in Detroit, where I'm from, were rooting for the Pistons. You know, they wanted me to do well. They, they said they did. But they were, you know, they were all Pistons fans. So it was kind of like an inside joke with our family. And then when I got there, it was like, oh, this is it. Like I, I was, I was like, oh, wow. Like this is. So I, I was really kind of taken aback. So that, that's my NBA experience. I got, I have some humor about it now, and that's why I have it on my, my Twitter. It just captured like, this is really what I was thinking. I'm glad I think. So yeah. So I'm when you look at that picture now, you'll see like, <laughs> like I, I, after I did my work, Eric, I answered all of your questions. Can I leave now? Like, and they can said I no. Get a meal of food. Can I get off my feet? Feet. Can I do? So if you look at me, look, look at it. Pull it up. So you can get it. You can get a. There you go. That, that's me. That's amazing. That's my. Absolutely amazing. That's me. About to play in my first game in the NBA Finals. I didn't, I, Eric. I, I, I can't even tell you. It's I, I, I was like, it's perfect. Whatever. So now, instead of from, being from, nervous, from the news, from the newspaper to the lean league. to the spandex under the shorts, shorts. it is perfect. It is perfect. That, that, that's great. that's where my mindset was at. Right. That, that's that's that captured my whole career. That's captured really. That picture captured my life. And when I saw that, I always saved that picture because that's what I was feeling at the time. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, here we are. Like, everyone wants to do their, you know, they want to do their best. And it's like, no, you, you can't. You got to. You're on my time now. You're like, what? <laughs> but it's just our, we're just us, just us talking here. So what is a, uh, what's a finals memory pre-NBA that captivated you to, uh, you know, not just some common game, but what's a, what was a captivating memory that really had an impact on you uh, before um, you either got to the league or got to Iowa? Well, I was saying, uh, you know, Magic, you know, he grew up in Lansing, which is, a, you know, outside of Detroit. So, you know, I followed his career with great interest as a kid. Right? I, I followed his, you know, this guy was this guy. I could still hear my dad and people. There's this guy who's like six eight. He plays the center position, and he dribbles the ball up the court. I'm like, what? Yeah, and he has a big afro. <laughs> I was like, what? And they call him Magic. <laughs> and. It was like I, I couldn't grasp the idea that the center could dribble the ball and pass it. Like, yeah, he scored a lot of points, but the fact that he could dribble and pass was like he's too big to do that. Yep. It, like, I, I, you know, I, I was a kid, so I was like, I couldn't. I, I was like, Dad, how's he? Like, a center can't do that. And they would say he's magic. <laughs> it was like kind of like a it's magic, you know? It's like. And I can, so I followed him at Lansing Everett. Then he goes to Michigan State. 
And I still couldn't believe it. I could still see him in that 2-3 zone. He's on, I think, the left side. Greg Kelser, who grew up in Detroit, I knew Greg a little bit. He was older than me, but I knew Greg. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of like the hero in the neighborhood, you know? Like, that's Greg Kelser. He's on television, you know? And to watch Magic, I, I, I still couldn't get it. Like, I was in high school, but I still couldn't... The idea that this 6'8 guy could... And watch, and he would come to Detroit. And I remember he would come to Detroit. He would play at this gym called St. Cecilia. And it was like everyone would pack in this little gym. It couldn't have been more than 2,000 people just to watch him dribble the ball. Think about that, Eric. Like, normally you go, hey, man, this guy's got a sweet jump shot. or This guy can score. You just wanted to see this big guy dribble the ball like a guard. Like, you were hoping the other team would miss so he could get the rebound and dribble it. Because... He was magic. He was, you, so I saw him at Michigan State do it. And then when he got to the NBA, it was tape delayed. And I was, I was young. This was like 79, right? So his rookie year was 79, 80. Yeah, so I was was like 12, 13, somewhere around there. You were born in 68, right? 67. So I was like 67. So you're, you're, you're going on, going on 13. Yeah. So I can remember my parents letting me stay up to watch Magic. And I just couldn't believe, like, he was doing it. Like, I had saw someone, I, I saw him with my own eyes. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I couldn't get the idea that, because television was much different now than it. Like, if you were on television, you, you were somebody back then. Magic was on television, and but I had saw him in real life. You right. know what I mean? You saw, you saw him in the gym. Then you saw him at Michigan State. Michigan State. And now you're watching him playing Michigan in the State. finals right. on television. Yep. And I just couldn't get the idea that he was that good, but that he could dribble the ball. So them winning his rookie year against one of my dad's favorite was Dr. J. That was one of my dad. He loved George McGinnis and Dr. J and, and you know, Daryl Dawkins. He loved those guys, you know. Um, he just loved he 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 loved the doctor, you know, Earl of Pearl. Those were his guys. The mm-hmm. fact that Magic was doing his thing, it was so that pushed me to like, God, this guy is like so incredible that I just couldn't believe it. And that, that, that was really what started. So every year it became a tradition. Like that's what we did. We were going to study. We were going to go to Cobo Hall to watch the Pistons play. This is before they moved to the Silver Dome. And, you know, we watched the NBA Finals and you watched Dr. J and you watched Larry Bird and you watched Andrew Tony, and you watched when the Pistons made it. I remember when the Pistons drafted Joe Dumars and Isaiah came and and you saw how they built this thing, Jack McClowski, and you were like, oh, they got a shot. That, those were great teams. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, four or five years later, I'm playing against these guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, 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 you're part of that uh, domino yeah. effect in yeah, the East. So this for, was, so that, this that was happened like the whole a, decade before. Yep. Yeah, so you know that, that made an imprint on this young kid. Um, you know, watching Bill Lambeer and Rick Lahorn and Buddha Edwards and Dennis Rodman and, and 
John Sally and and watching them beat Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and those guys, then beating Magic and watching a team being built around someone I could really relate to was Isaiah Thomas. Cause he wasn't as big as Magic. And watching him carry himself throughout my, really my most influential years when I was in high school, cause he came in like 84. 82. It was no, 82 years. Right, right after he won the national championship yeah, somewhere with Indiana. Around there. I think he's in the 81 draft. His rookie year was 81, 82. Yeah, so watching him really gave me a boost of confidence because I was like, oh, wow. Because I had never seen. You're, you're bigger than him. Yeah, a little bit. And, um, but watching him, I was like, oh, wow. And watching his leadership, you know, because I knew the effect of big. The game was like a big man's game. But watching them build a team around a little guy, he's the only guard or little guy they've actually built a team around and had success or winning. So watching that, watching Magic, I became fascinated with the game because I wanted to understand how Isaiah was doing it. So I had a chance to watch literally every game. And we would sneak in, and I'm sorry, people at the silver that we would sneak into the games as a kid nice. just to watch him control the game. I was, I was consumed not with his ability to score and handle and all those things, how he could manage a game because magic was doing it at six, eight. Like I knew I could never, he could just see over the defense, but I came, I, I, I was consumed with magic. I mean, with Isaiah, like he's a little guy and he's doing it and he can manage the game and he could score and he could pass and he could, he would pick and choose when to do all these other things. Like he would, sometimes he would score and then sometimes he would get off the ball and let Joe Dumars do it. And then sometimes he would just become like a facilitator because Vinny Johnson, the microwave was going and doing his thing. And they were playing pick and pop when he, we didn't even know what it was with Bill Lambeer. Like we just yep. knew this guy could shoot. Yep. Okay, and then there was these two guys on the bench who just played totally different, Dennis Rodman and John South. So I was just consumed with like trying to understand, and and I, and Chuck Daly was just, you know, he was Detroit. I mean, he dressed apart. I don't know how we get on this conversation, but he dressed apart. So yeah, I just I became mean, fascinated. Final, finals memories and your connection to it from Magic yeah, to and Isaiah, just, and uh, then playing against them. That that's what got us there. So now that I think about it, I mean, to get there. I had to play against Isaiah and the very first one was playing against magic. And those were the two guys that really set the, the tone for me. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. always had this respect for Larry, like Larry, like I, you know, I wasn't a Celtic fan, but I, I understood from all of the older people in my life and all of my mentors and coaches, how good Larry was. Like I understood that, like, and, and, the, and the very first time I played against him, I was out of all the players that I've played against. He is without question one of, if not the most fundamentally sound player I've ever, I've ever seen. Like, like you, you know, like he just knew what to do, and he had a presence about himself. Like he didn't have to score, but you knew. Like, where's Larry? He just had a, he had that it about it. Different than Magic though. Like, like Magic was Magic 
But Larry had like a, it was, it was like a, I don't know. He was just, and I didn't catch him in his prime. You know, I caught him. You caught him. He was, you caught him very late. I caught, I caught him late, but you could tell it was like, oh wow. Now I understood what, it, you know what I mean? Like, so for me, it wasn't like, you know, like today when I hear these kids say, Hey, I want to come in and I want to be a hall of famer. I, I no, there was no way I was ever going to reach that level of excellence. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like I hear these kids in the draft. Well, what do you do? I want to, I want to, I want to be a hall of fame player. I want to win MVP. I want to be, and I'm like, I mean, get, get to your second contract first. <laughs> how about just get in the rotation? Yeah. How about just play winning yeah. basketball? Yeah. How about just, just put together a string of games where the coach says, you know what? I can depend on this guy every night to yeah. score 12 to 15 make, points. Make sure you have a career. Yeah, you know, but you know, now it's just different. Mm-hmm. Playing against these guys, though, it was like, 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 man, like, wow, like I was just like, wow, like, like, you know, you were a pro, I was a pro, but Larry, you knew was something different, and Magic was something different, and you just knew that these guys were something about them was a little different. So that was my NBA. Finals. So when I got there, whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One more question for you: What was it like? Um, because by the time you got into the league, the Silver Dome was, it was done the, uh, hosting yeah. games. Yeah. So was what the, was it like? Yeah, it was the Palace. So what was it like? Because the Silver Dome was always one of those venues. That was super unique from the television point of view, watching a game. Right. So I can't imagine what it was like to actually be in there watching basketball. What What was that like being in that kind of a venue to watch the Detroit? Well, the first of all, it was. Uh, so I'm old enough to remember when they were playing at Cobo Hall, which was downtown Detroit. And then it went from there to the Pontiac Silverdome. And then it went to Auburn Hills. And now it's back in Detroit. At, I think it's Little Caesars or Little Little Caesars. Whoever's, whoever's paying for the sponsorship. Yeah. Um, the Silverdome was great because I mean, it, it was it, it. You know, first of all, I'm a Detroit guy through and through. You know, the Lions played there, the Pistons played there, and you know what? When they had a big game. Everybody what, seemed what, like. What do you got? What do you got? Fifty-five thousand people in there for. Oh man, it was great. I mean, so, I, I, we didn't care. We just wanted to be. I was a kid. We didn't care. Like, right. and like, I can't I, imagine the sight lines either. Yeah, like it was. It was awful. It was, but <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, but but it was great. Yes. Before we close, uh, four players right now, all. Uh, potentially could be uh, on different teams next year as we head into the summer. So I'm just going to name the player, and I want to get your thoughts on whether your gut tells them they'll be back with their team or they will be moved in some sort of a uh, sign-and-trade or trade. Ready? Go ahead. Restricted free agent John Collins of the Atlanta Hawks. Stays with his team. Stays with his team. Okay. Stays with his team. Restricted free agent Lonzo Ball of the New Orleans Pelicans. 50-50. Okay. Colin Sexton, 
who is finishing his just finished his third season and he's up for his extension after next season on his rookie contract. He moved. He, he gets moved. He gets moved. And finally, Ben Simmons. He gets moved. Interesting. He gets moved. Any any gut feel on where Ben could be going? Or where you think it would be a great move for the next chapter of his career? You know, the the kid is incredibly talented, okay? He's an incredibly talented player. I just want to choose my words carefully because... I can tell. Yeah, Giddy, it's different when you get traded and you say, this is what this player can do, right? You look at Ben and you go, that's an unfinished product. Clearly. And then you say, but if they couldn't do it, why could I do it? Okay, so. And then you look at the kid. And I don't like to see potential on players. Like. At my age, I want to. Work with Ben Simmons and take the potential off of his name. Like I, yeah. like I don't want to say Ben you Simmons wanna, you could get be. him to that level. It's no longer. Well, I don't want to get is. him there. I just want to say, he is. yeah, he is. Like you don't say a great player could be. You say he is. So here's where I think it's gonna happen. I thought this was. I thought it was very telling when Ben Simmons decided not to play for a team Australia in the Olympics. Hmm. But again, you know, I, but, and here, here, here's why I say that is because there's only one place where you can improve your game. That's by playing. I, I, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to clarify that the working out thing is working out. So do you think he would have a better chance at improvement by playing for Team Australia? Here, 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 here is what, here's what I've come to understand about being a professional. I never got better working on my game in the gym. Instead it's of a little secret. In some sort of competitive situation. No, we've talked about it before, but I'm yeah, glad yeah, you I've never got me taking practice shots. You know, you know what's amazing? I want to say this. And then come circle back with Ben Simmons. I can't recall in my entire career at the professional level where my coaches cared what I did over the summer. <laughs> Eric, I played for Hall of Fame coaches. I can't recall one summer where they cared what I did over the summer, but they did care once the first day of practice started because the league is based on in-game performance. That's what's different. I, I don't have a problem with, if you need to work out 200 times a day to perform in the game, I've had Hall of Fame coaches 
said, BJ, I want you to ask all of your clients this one question. How was the workout today? And I was like, why would you say that? Because I want you to tell me when you find a player who said he had a bad workout over the summer. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. Yeah. I've had a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame coaches. It's like a little, it's like a little secret within the coaching fraternity. Try to find a player who said, man, I had a bad workout today. So I was like, come to think about it. I've never heard a player say he had a bad workout. How was the workout today? Oh, man. So, you asked his trainer, man, he shot the lights out tonight. <laughs> hey, oh, man, great workout today. Oh, man, I was, man, moving well, feel strong, feel good. I'm ready to go. One problem was against air. I thought Ben Simmons electing not to play said a lot because Ben Simmons, like you had an opportunity to get practice shots in a high pressure situation and work on your game in a competitive environment. You, you, you had a, you, you, to me, and that game will allow him to continue, like, what better practice can you get than that? Like, yeah. Okay. I'll give you an example. One of my clients, Derek Rose, played in the world, in the world championships in Istanbul, Turkey. Every player that comes back from one of those world championship events, they always come back better. Okay. I'm going to tell you the players that were on that team. Derrick Rose. 2010, MVP. right? Yeah. Derrick Rose, MVP. So that was right. So that was the summer before his MVP season, correct? Okay. Come, plays in the Olympics or plays in the world championships, wins MVP. Russell Westbrook, MVP. Kevin Durant, MVP. Steph Curry, two-time MVP. That's invaluable practice because you're playing every single day. Every day, I said, and you know who the starting point guard was or the starting guard was Chauncey Billups. I said, Derek, I want you to use this as an opportunity to gauge where are you truly? Because you're not going to find a better athlete than Russell Westbrook. You're not going to find a tougher guard than Steph Curry. Steph Curry was coming off the bench. And you're not going to find a more savvy veteran than Big Shot Billups. And you're playing with Kevin Durant and da 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 and all of these guys. I don't care what you're doing in a gym by yourself. It can't equal that. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to. You don't have to carry the team. You can learn how to play the game without the ball as a point guard. You can learn how to manage the game without scoring. 
you can learn how to play and defend these guys every single day. He took it to heart. He wins the MVP the following year. I never imagined Russell Westbrook. The be- the guards who came off the bench were Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry. Like, like you saw Kevin Durant. You 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 immediately you was like, oh wow, this guy could. But what I'm saying is, I think of Ben Simmons as the same type of talent. Let's use this opportunity here where you can play not with Joel Embiid. You could be the best player on the team. You could take all of the shots. You could get all of the jump shots and threes and whatever and and it, it was like, I because I, I, I want him to take that potential. I want potential off of his name. And the reason is because he's so good. Like, you say what you want to say. Okay, I don't care how many he didn't make free throws or whatever. That, that, that young man is incredibly, incredibly talented. He's an incredible talent. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like, you say what you want. He's 6'10". He can defend. He can pass. He can rebound, athlete, unselfish, da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Push the ball, do, do all those things. I just thought it was an incredible opportunity for him to get away. Just, just go yeah. find yourself. And not, and, and not be thinking about what just happened. Like, get back in the gym with Dude, guys it, from, from Australia. In, in a competitive environment. like Very competitive environment. Right? You know what I mean? Like, Eric, like... Like, if you say, like, we started this show out with saying the following, like, the international game is a different game. Ben Simmons, you could argue that Ben Simmons may be just as good or better as an international player than he is in the NBA because the game isn't predicated on isolation and scoring and all of those things. Mm -hmm. I just, I was like... Like you, sometimes you don't get these opportunities. Like you know what I mean. Like watching these great players ascend, they always put themselves in comp- in competitive environments. That's where you, that's where you thrive. That's where you become your best. That's where you learn. You don't learn you and your trainer when no one's looking. One versus no, no. That's not where it happens. And we can keep saying that and selling that and posting videos. And that's not old school. You want to get good. You got to play. And because I see that kid, that kid is an MVP caliber player. Like everyone can keep saying what they want to say. No, when I see special, Ben Simmons, he's a special unique talent who happens to have uh, one uh, very the, glaring the, mental and physical flaw at the moment, and they're it, intertwined, it, it, and that's okay. Like that's it. Yeah. Like that's it. I I don't know how else to fix it besides yeah. playing. Well, well, going in the gym is not going to fix it. Okay, it's only it's only two things can fix that. All right. And because I know Ben's listening, right? I know he's listening. <laughs> he's definitely tuning in. One, 
my famous word, my favorite word, whatever. That's going to fix it. Whatever. <laughs> like, you want to be a great player? You better understand that word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't be a great player without understanding whatever. You missed the shot to lose the game. What do you feel? Whatever. Tomorrow's a new day. You know what my favorite part of the game was last night? Giannis just came down and shot two threes in a row for no reason at all. I loved it. <laughs> Everyone on the television is going, Jeff Van Gundy just goes crazy. I don't understand why he's doing it. I don't understand. And then, you know what? I think he just does that now just to mess with us. He's like, Oh, whatever. Or, or Giannis. Giannis. Giannis is like. Giannis is like whatever. Because this is what this is what I think Giannis knows. One of my one of my good friends is Tim Hardaway. And there were two players that would do this. They would do this every game. Tim Hardaway and 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 Dominique Wilkins. They would always have a what we called a early heat check to see if the jumper was on. Hmm. So. And if you ever interviewed Dominique, in the scouting report, we would always say, we hope Dominique makes his first three. <laughs> so, there. so he wouldn't start driving and doing his other thing. And whenever I would play against Tim Hardaway, because, you know, he's used to shoot that knuckleball. I would always hope that he would make his first three. So that way, because... Those guys, if they really started doing their thing, you, I mean, Tim Hardaway, when he was younger, I mean, you couldn't, you, there was nothing, nothing you could do you could with do. the crossover. Nothing. There was nothing. He was, he, he was strong. He was athletic, in and out, crossover. And he would just come down and just, you know, let me see if the jumper is going. And that's how I watch Giannis. Because once Giannis starts making that three, think about this, Eric. He's getting 40 points right now without a three what if he had a consistent jump shot those 40 point efforts now would become 50 60 point efforts. yeah but I, I'd, I'd rather just see him just destroy everybody in the paint all the time yeah but father time doesn't father you. time doesn't pass anyone as we age we all move further and further away from the basket because we can't get by people anymore it's fun to watch him blow by people at 30 something his game is going to change, <laughs> Eric. Yes. It's yes. going to change. So, kind of stretch five. Yep. So, and, and I say this with, with my friend Ben Simmons. Whatever. Ben, who cares? Like, if you miss 30 free throws in a row, whatever. This is what I love about Giannis. Giannis will airball a three and go right back to the basket. <laughs> Most guys, most he'll guys, air, he'll airball a free throw and then go come back the next time and make two. two, two. two. Like, you, yeah, this is whatever. This is whatever. What, what what he he airballs free throws, but it doesn't affect him to stop being aggressive. You understand? And that's what like Ben. Like I just want to send Ben this word. I don't want to work you out in the gym. Ben, here's the word. Whatever. I right, just go play. <laughs> 
You just go play. You what do I have to work on? Nothing. Just understand the word and we'll live with we'll live with your talent. If you could just understand that word. The second thing we do is just get balance. Everything you do, just do it with balance. If you go up off two feet, just come down with two feet. If you post, just be on balance. I don't care how you shoot it. You want to shoot with your right hand, left hand, whatever. Just always be on balance and go whatever. If you miss 35 shots in a row, let me worry about that. You just get 35 shots. If I, if I find a player, <laughs> Eric, do you know most great players don't care how many shots they make? They just care. They, they care about how many shots they can manufacture. That's what makes a great player great. Jordan, we need you to get up 35 shots in this game. Why? Because half of them you probably going to miss. And if you getting up a shot and getting double teamed, that means we can offensive rebound. <laughs> mm -hmm. Somebody's going to be out of position. And because putting, we knew he pressure, was going to... Putting pressure on the defense. One and we around. knew the only way we could stop him from manufacturing that shots was we had to stop, get stops on the other end so we could get out and run. He was getting 35 shots up because we were taking the ball out of the basket. When you understand how to win, then you understand the other aspects of the game. Ben Simmons is a championship caliber player. That's what we're all, that's why we're all talking about him. I just want to give him the secret. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> ben, just, just who play. cares? Just, just play. You're playing with a Hall of Fame coach. Doc understands this. Trust me on this. If Ben Simmons can manufacture 25 shots a night, I got a pretty good feeling he'll probably make 12, 13 of them on a consistent basis. Just being there 50%. Yeah. I got a pretty good, uh, if because he, he'll catch a rhythm. I watched Giannis make 13 out of what? 15 free throws the other night. Those guys are catch a rhythm. You will catch a rhythm. Mm -hmm. Well said, my friend. That's so I, 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 I just I, 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 I just wish he would have played over the summer. Taking that word with him. And utilize the word. All of the great players, they know that. You talk, you think Larry cared about how many shots he missed? Do you really do y'all really think Larry Bird actually cared what y'all was saying about him? Larry looks old. What whatever. Kareem, the 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 Boston Massacre. Whatever. He came back and had perhaps the greatest series yeah. for a bit at 40 something years old. I think he was I think he was 30, I think he was 36 or 37. 37. And won the finals in 1985. Yeah. Yep. Who, do you really do you really think that these players care? Not those do you, guys. No. No. That's the secret. Stop caring. Do y'all really think the late Kobe Bryant cared that he missed 15 shots in a row? Hell no. <laughs> do you, really? Do you really think Kevin Durant is going, oh man, this guy's doing a great job of guarding me? 
No. Do you really think Steph Curry is sitting there going, oh, man, I, I missed five shots. I better, I better stop shooting. There takes a certain mentality. Now, if you can't shoot or you ain't put in the work, you might care. But at that level, you think Charles Barkley ever was like in the locker room going, hey, God, coach, what do I need to work on? He didn't care. None of these guys. And Ben Simmons. All right, I'm done with Ben Simmons. <laughs> I'm done. Because he, he, you see it. Yeah, you, you see the talent. I mean, you just. You see I just, the talent. See the talent. I, I, I just want to play. You want to see him wanna, put it together. I want to see. I want to see him be the best version of himself. There. There it is. There, that's it. That's there all it I want. I, I don't care how he does it. He's he's got a he's got a Hall of Fame coach. He's playing a, he's playing arguably with the not arguably he's playing with another Hall of Fame talent, mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, in a great city, mm-hmm. and they got a chance to win a championship every year that those two were healthy. Pretty good situation. And man. and they could be better if he just understands one word. Whatever, because Joel Embiid, I'm pretty sure he already got the secret. <laughs> yeah. So the original question was, will he get moved? I think he will. You think he will? I, I think he will. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Great show today, my friend. As usual, uh, time flew. And we covered okay. a lot. And, All right. Uh, thank you. Fantastic. Game five NBA finals Saturday night. We'll keep an eye on Team USA, and next week we'll we'll yeah, excuse me. Next week we will be back, um, and we could be back with a new NBA champion, or we could be back uh, looking at a Game Seven. So we will see. Well, we will have a new NBA champion no matter what. Well, of course, it could be uh, a Suns Bucks Game Seven, or it could be the new champion already crowned. As I correct myself. Special thanks, Editor Kristen Woolley, the one and only Bruce Bernstein, the entire Pure Hoops Media family. Check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong on Wednesdays. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure on Thursdays. The Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and yours truly, Eric Newman, dropping at the end of each week on Friday. Stay healthy, stay safe, enjoy the finals. Stay pure. Peace. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.